P.S. You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And I'm Shelby, and I'm here with Matt. Yes, we are back for episode 10. <laughs> Double it's digits, you, baby. It's me, and we have a special guest this week. I don't know if you've heard that she's going to be here or not. Oh, no. Who? <laughs> Hello, Shelby. It is me. It is Deborah Messing. I am on this podcast as well. <laughs> Please turn off off stop <laughs> uh, i missed her she was actually. so great in in yeah. searching that you know she just she she had to come back and what else is she working on these days not much <laughs> i don't know i think i know her best from that broadway tv show that didn't last that long smash oh smat with Catherine mcphee so we have a new review oh is this another survivor fan because i'll be suspicious um, well, this is from somebody that I actually know. So I know oh. that this person is a Survivor fan, but she doesn't mention it in her oh, okay. review. Okay, that's good enough. I mean, I could I could pencil that in if you want. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Have her rewrite it. A. Dills, 1993, says yes to this. This podcast is everything you could want. Great banter, witty thoughts, insults that I strangely love to hear. <laughs> What's a podcast without insults? That's my question. Yeah. This is a given during my work hours to spice up the daily grind on Spotify. At times, I've been caught laughing at my desk to the comments Matt makes, particularly in this latest episode on Crazy Rich Asians. I would consider myself a (laughs) podcast aficionado, and this one is now in my daily rotation. Keep it up, team. (laughs) That is so sweet. What did you have to pay them? Uh, <laughs> I I just, you know, vaguely uh threatened them and their family. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I read online you need to do as a podcast host. Yeah. Just start intimidating people that you know to write good reviews for you. Definitely. I'll get on that. That's a good reminder. There's a few people I can threaten. Yeah. <laughs> if people do like our show though, Shelby, what can they do? Oh boy, there is so much. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook a little bit at PS You're Wrong. We're having a party on there, and you can always uh, find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, any of the major apps. Subscribe, like us, leave a review, and then you'll get featured, and it'll probably be about something Matt did because he's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone Shelby, loves you- Matt. <laughs> Just get your friends to write you reviews. That's clearly what's happening. You're right. That's what I need. Okay. It'll be good. <laughs> Somebody leave Shelby a nice review. She needs yeah. she I'm needs to the feel insecure. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really nice. And we like any reviews, so bring it on. Yes. But we don't want to have a rivalry between the two of us that <laughs> leads you to show up at a fashion event that I'm attending and then try to chuck a shoe at my head. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are you trying to tell me something I don't know? Yeah, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I was hoping you'd bring this one up. I loved this story. Oh, yeah. How, how could we not bring up this yeah. story? So for those of you who do not know, there is a feud going on between one Nicki Minaj and one Cardi B, yeah. which involved Cardi B. Uh, they were at the Harper's Bazaar Gala for New York Fashion Week. And apparently Cardi B approached Nicki Minaj's table to address lies that Nicki Minaj has been spreading about her. 
Yeah. And Nicki Minaj apparently then retorted by saying that maybe Cardi B isn't a great mother. And so then Cardi B tried to like attack Nicki Minaj and threw a shoe at her and then got like elbowed in the head by security and escorted from the building with this like ginormous lump on her forehead. Like it looks like she is like, uh, like has a golf ball embedded underneath her skin. (laughs) It It was was like like, disgusting to look at. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was crazy. I mean, I was there like I was on Twitter while it was happening and you the were videos, there yeah I was there and while the, all these videos came out and I could not for the life of me tell what was going on but I mean it does sound very dramatic and there was a lot of yelling and a lot of people pushing but it looked like Nicki Minaj was sort of hiding hiding behind her security which you know if she's gonna sing about about taking out bitches like maybe she should step up you know <laughs> Wow. That's my hot take. She should have, you know, gone for it, is what I'm saying. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Shelby Boyer promoting violence in yeah. the workplace. Is there Listen. someone that you don't like? Hit them. <laughs> yeah. No, but if you're going to sing about being like with that life, then like, I don't know. It just seemed like Cardi was like right to call her out, maybe, in being fake about that aspect of like, being a rap queen, you know, because they all sing about these these tough lives and tough exteriors, but someone in that circle was hiding behind her entourage. So I don't know. I think I'm Team Cardi on this one. Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> Nicki Minaj all the way. Well, here's the thing: is Cardi immediately released one of those notes as her statement that was like, "Oh yeah, she called me out. She's been talking trash. She is all fake. Never insult my kid." Type stuff. I don't necessarily believe Nicki Minaj insulted her parenting or her child. I don't know. Maybe she said something in passing. But it does seem like Nicki Minaj is a lot of talk and no action. And she's been doing this since her album's been coming out. She's been like talking trash about everyone, including these female artists, including Cardi B. And so it has to get frustrating to feel like Nicki Minaj is acting too cool for you and won't even like give you the time of day. And while maybe violence isn't the answer... I just I walked away feeling like Nicki Minaj was still sort of fake. And she was just like her only response after that night was to just go out and pose for the paparazzi and like and just I don't know. I just I didn't really like walk away thinking Nicki was all that cool for how she handled it either. Um, Nicki was a champ. She just like throws shade. <laughs> She's not going to get involved in this tussle. Afterwards, she didn't have to release a weird statement. What did she do? She just went on and shadily liked some very <laughs> specific Twitter or Instagram posts. Just like she's above the fray. Like you can't. Well, touch her. no, because she went on her Queen radio station yesterday and spent an hour talking about it and trash talking Cardi B and like inviting all the haters of Cardi B to call in and talk about how bad Cardi is as a human. So like. She definitely addressed it and she tried to like take Cardi down still. So it's not like she was like above it. She basically (laughs) That was hard hitting journalism. She was being interviewed on the show. She wasn't trying to, you know, (laughs) spread rumors. No, they were asking questions and she she was answering them. This is Nicki Minaj's radio station. She's the host. She talks about what she wants for the hour she has it. 
So get your facts and straight, she, Matt. And she's the host. She was asking herself <laughs> questions. I don't understand. Yeah. No, Nick, you you just have a weird vendetta against Nicki Minaj <laughs> because Nicki is, is documented on being team anti Taylor Swift. <laughs> she's on team Kanye, and you're and you are now trying to like get on hey, this I team think, Cardi B. I train. think we could pull some pull some tapes from a previous episodes where you said Nikki was a has been. So <laughs> I don't know, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but I just really liked her. There's like a song on her new album that's her and Eminem, and I was just like, "Ugh, this is so good!" Like, it just, I just have okay. listened to it about seven thousand times, and yeah. so now I'm back on Team Nicki Minaj. Uh, also, going into another story with Nicki Minaj, did you see the music video for Barbie Dreams? I actually didn't watch it. I was going to, and then I got distracted. It came out today, right? Yes, I believe it came out this morning, or maybe it came out last night. I'm not sure, but anyways. With the song Barbie Dreams, which I believe you talked about on a yeah. previous episode, is where Nicki Minaj calls out all of these male <laughs> rappers who, like, have wanted to sleep with her at various points or yeah. have, you know, she has slept with. And she kind of, like, drags them all through the dirt. <laughs> and on the music video for it, she has puppet versions of all of these rappers. <laughs> and they are hysterical. Yeah. I was watching it just, like, laughing to myself this morning. So good. There's a DJ Khaled uh, puppet that is fantastic and there's this rapper six nine have you yeah it's like six six nine nine right that's how yeah it's very strange he i don't know what's going on with him he has like rainbow colored hair and like rainbow colored (laughs) teeth he's and a lot of face tattoos it's very bizarre and he's also not a good rapper and she has like the fuggliest looking puppet ever version (laughs) of him and it's so it's so it's so spot on i was like good job nigga and i was just she's just throwing shade every which way throwing shade at camilla (laughs) throwing shade at cardi b throwing shade at all these rappers that's what i'm looking for in a pop star is someone super shady but she's not like taylor swift who's like hiding and like making vague references she's like (laughs) naming these people in her songs it's great well so i guess we have to move on to the next musical discussion because someone else came out with a music video this week and um i'm sure you're excited to talk about this because kanye west came out of um some hiding he kanye west appeared again do you do you know what he was up to this week matt like should we talk about that a little do you think <laughs> um so uh serena williams played at the u.s open <laughs> no, this no, no. week this and there was some... this is popular we're talking about this kanye west directed the porn hub awards <laughs> which is like literally what the f matthew like what is this guy doing do you have any thoughts um, the... <laughs> when this story broke, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to have Shelby's going to bring this up on the podcast. I'm going to have to figure out some way to try to defend Kanye yeah, against this. this. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, so he like shows up. He he was like rumored to be directing this. Everyone was like, why would he direct this Pornhub Awards? Like it's the first Pornhub Awards. And he pops in and he is the co-director. He designed the whole thing. He like created the dildo shaped awards for everyone. He premiered some of his fashion line, a new fashion line. And he prepared, premiered a new music video with a new song that's a little bit in SFW, if you know. <laughs> I don't know if you <laughs> listened to this one or saw this music yes. video. 
So it was a little. Yes, I did. Yeah. It was actually like the music video was very funny to me because, you know, it just featured Kanye and um, Little Pump in these giant cartoon square costumes. I don't know why, Mm -hmm. but it was it was funny. I thought it was cute, but it was premiered at the Pornhub Awards again, where he was directing (laughs) the Pornhub Awards. So I am going to (laughs) try to pull out my best Kellyanne Conway here (laughs) and defend my yeah favorite yeah um so one thing that if you know kanye is Mm -hmm. that he really spends a lot of time on pornhub (laughs) and he has talked about his relationship with this site multiple times yeah so i think that if anyone is going to have you know a lot of respect for this industry and Mm -hmm. be a good Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. to kind of um you know promote the Mm -hmm. the brand Mm -hmm. then it would be him (laughs) also you know in empowering the actors and actresses who perform in this industry which i think we can all agree is very important um (laughs) so i mean it's interesting you say all that because i mean it wasn't that great of a it wasn't that big of a success i don't know if you know this but a lot of people ended up leaving and there was a lot of delays a lot of late starts it was a classic kanye you know, event where there were sudden changes, a lot of confusion over what was you going know, on. You know, he's an artist and you can't yeah. control that, Shelby. You can't yeah. try to put an artist in a box. You have to let them express what, you know, they believe in. Right, right. And so, yeah, I mean, he did it and it happened. And that's a thing that he'll be known for is hosting the first ever Pornhub Awards. And, you know, he also created merch for the event. So that's exciting. Yeah, the merch was something (laughs) else. I did not buy any. I can't imagine that it's selling particularly well, but... It featured, like, a lot of these winners in, I don't know, sort of weirdly, like, the cartoon poses. Yeah, like, these weird... Paintings featuring the winners and their titles. And what's interesting, though, is that none of these actresses that are featured really know if they'll get a cut of these $75 t-shirts he's he's selling. So, I mean, he's having a good time, I guess. You know, he's doing what he loves and making it about him and really like showing off his his fashion, his music video, his music. But I'm sure the Pornhub Awards were happy to have. Happy to have Kanye there, so... Oh, I mean, they got more attention out of him being there than they ever could have by themselves. I mean, yeah, would this have even been a news item if he hadn't been there? I wouldn't have <laughs> known they were happening. So I think they right. can all be very thankful that he showed up and did whatever he did. <laughs> it's him who might yeah. be taking the hit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it was a it was a pretty funny moment to realize he was there and it was really happening and that I would get to get to, you know, talk about this with you and see you try and try and spin it. So Thank yeah, you. it's a Thank shame that we didn't me. know these were going on. We could have done a whole episode <laughs> recapping the awards show, but alas. Yeah. And I think, what well, one network was it on? NBC? CBS? I can't remember yeah, exactly. Sure. But <laughs> yeah, ugh, what a lost opportunity. Um, do you have another story that is maybe not so targeted <laughs> at me? Yeah, actually, this one's a little new. This one is about the Predator. 
which is uh, the movies coming out this week, I think, and no one's looking forward yes. to it. I don't think it's going too well. But it turns out something shady went down behind the scenes because unbeknownst to any of the actors, the director hired one of his old friends, old, old buddies, who happened to be a registered sex offender fresh out of jail. And oh. he, failed to, he failed to disclose this to anyone. And so when Olivia Munn, the actress who had to work with this guy, found out, she reported it to the studio. And so the studio decided, okay, fine, we'll cut this scene from the movie. No big deal. But Olivia Munn has been doing the the predator like promo interviews by herself and people were like where is your entirely male cast because she's the only woman in it just in case you wondered and they just had bowed out because they didn't want to deal with the line of questioning and she has been saying like how they kind of were like why didn't you just stay quiet we could have handled this quietly like how dare you like bring this up blah 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 classic discourse and so she's been she's been having to go around and be like yeah I feel pretty isolated from this team who's kind of abandoned me because I got a sex offender knocked off the movie so wait was the sex offender an actor or like a crew member no, he was an actor. Oh. Yeah, he was like one of the... I don't... I mean, it wasn't... He was just in one scene, but he oh, was working okay. Oh, okay, gotcha. in a scene with Olivia Munn. And so... And then nobody... Like, none of the other cast members wanted to do publicity just because they didn't want to ha- have to answer questions about this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That seems yeah. ridiculous and also very easy to answer questions about. Like, I right. was on a movie. The director hired a sex offender. <laughs> we then fired the sex offender when we realized what he was. I was not involved in this process. <laughs> I don't agree with sex offending. I know. You think it's pretty straightforward, but no. Sign me up been... <laughs> to be on this movie. I'll go on the publicity tour with Olivia Munn. Yeah. No, they just backed out. I mean, to be fair, Sterling K. Brown, who like has my heart forever, he is the only actor aside he's the only person on the crew like the only person aside from the director and olivia munn to make a statement about this and he was like i'm so sorry olivia munn that you feel alone like because of scheduling he's doing a movie right now and he couldn't be there but he's like obviously i support you i support you reporting this like you should always feel safe and secure blah 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 so he's a good one but the other guys just evaporated who else is in this movie I don't know if they're really anyone well known. I think, I mean, I didn't know them. I'm gonna look but it up. Give I me think a second. They're like just some classic white broy action dudes. <laughs> the better question is why is Sterling K. Brown in the Predator movie? I don't know. I know he's he. You know, actors sometimes they just make some mistakes, and this was his. But I still like him. <laughs> So it looks like other people in this movie are Jacob Tremblay, the boy from Room, oh, right. yeah. who is like 12 years old. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Keegan-Michael Peel, or Mike Keegan-Michael <laughs> Key, and yeah. Jordan Peel. That's, yes, Keegan-Michael Key, not Jordan Peel. Yeah, I think uh, Elfie was... Allen, a.k.a. Uh, Theon Greyjoy from Game of Thrones. Yeah. The Ivan Strahovski from Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> yeah, I think the Those main the guy, I think the main guy is someone... That's not really well known. Boyd Holbrook. Boyd Holbrook. Yeah, yeah I never heard of him. Is so he this anything? was supposed to be his big he moment. He was in <laughs> The Host, Stephanie yeah. Meyer's book that was turned into a movie. Yeah, he sounds like bad news. I know. That was a little bit of pop news to react to. Just, yeah, like you said, it's pretty easy, dudes. Like, 
If faced with a question about how you feel about a sex offender being fired, just be like, you know, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Not a difficult question <laughs> yeah. to answer. Um, if yeah. you approach this conversation in life and you are having struggles, <laughs> uh, you know, tweet at us. We would be happy to coach you with some lines. Yeah. <laughs> like, I disavow sex offenders. That's yeah. a good one to start with. Yeah. What about you? Anything else? Uh, so... Good news to end this slosh of yes. bad things that have happened this week. <laughs> John Legend won the EGOT. Yeah, finally. did yeah. you see this? I did. I don't know if I count it. It was like barely an Emmy. You know what I mean? He was like for producing or something. <laughs> Here's the thing. So for those of you who don't know, an EGOT is when somebody wins an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Mm -hmm. And up until this weekend, I think only like 12 or 13 people had ever won all four of those awards. Because it's hard to win them all. But John Legend won a Emmy for producing (laughs) Jesus Christ Superstar, which came out earlier this year, which was the last piece that he needed for this EGOT. Also, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber also got an (laughs) Emmy for the same thing. He was also a producer on that and that he was also missing the Emmy. So both of them got the EGOT off of Jesus Christ Superstar. The thing with the Emmys is that even though all of the Emmys are basically the same, because there are so many categories, they can't air them all on the TV show. So that's what... So the TV show that's next Monday, which we'll be covering, the primetime Emmys, are just like the biggest awards. Right. But there's so many different TV categories that they have two days worth of other Emmys <laughs> called the Creative Arts Emmys that are the week before. And so that doesn't mean that they're any less, you know, successful or powerful. It's just that these aren't the awards for like lead actor in a, you know, drama series. Right. Which John Legend is nominated in... I think best supporting actor in a limited release series, maybe right. for for acting in Jesus Christ Superstar, but he produced it, and so he won the Emmy for that, and that's what got him the EGOT. Yeah, but, but I you just, don't think this is real? I mean, no, I respect the hard work, but it's just like I feel like EGOT winners. It implies like yeah, it implies like a level of talent and a producing credit just doesn't speak to that to me so i mean obviously he won it and he was the first i think he was the first person of color to win wasn't he uh he was not oh. Whoopi goldberg actually has oh, a he got oh wow if you did not know. i didn't well that's yes. exciting but i think it's like i would rather wait and see if he gets it for acting you know because that just feels more like on par with what the egot stands for the thing with the EGOT in general is that not very many people have won it. Most of the people who have won it are either composers or producers because it's easier to win in those categories. The, the strange thing is though, uh, is like John legend is a musician. He's not an actor. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess he is sort of, (laughs) but he's won every, all of his other awards are from musical type things. Um, And it's interesting because the Oscar and the Tony are traditionally the hardest ones to win because they have the least amount of categories that you can win in. You know, there's only like 16 Tonys that are given out every year and like 20 some Oscars. Whereas Grammys and Emmys, there's hundreds so most people get the grammy and the emmy first and then really struggle to get the oscar and the tony but john legend already had the oscar and the tony it was just scrounging around to try to get this (laughs) emmy which is fairly easy to win yeah the the interesting thing is most people who 
have an EGOT or are trying to get one who are actors, they have to try to get a weird Grammy <laughs> thrown in there. And so a lot of yeah. them win it for like some kind of audio book or a spoken word, something <laughs> or another, because they're not singers and they're not going to get it for a regular song. So it's always yeah. interesting to see How they where these people, it. Every I feel like all of the winners have at least one kind of fudge yeah, award yeah. in there no, because they're either fair. musicians who have a weird something in an act in one of the acting categories are there actors who have a weird music thing going on yeah they all have something funky yeah that's true it's true it's exciting i'm proud of him yay for john legend chrissy teigen's happy for him i'm happy it's great and also i'm surprised you didn't mention it but did you hear the academy awards dropped the uh best popular film um category for i did 2019 so we dodged that bullet. I know. Everybody was so annoyed that that <laughs> yeah. was a category. Well, the Oscars like dropped it randomly in a tweet. They're like, yeah, we're yeah, going to have an award for popular film. And everyone was like, why? No, this is a terrible idea. Who who came up with this? And they're like, oh, 50 rich old people in the room thought it was a good idea. Oh, wait, the rest of yeah. the thousands of people in the Academy don't like it? Okay, yeah. never mind. Yeah. We'll postpone it to a later year. And I think they're just going to bury it and never bring yeah. it back up, which is good. I know. It is good, but... It's too bad. It would have been funny to see all the weird things they chose to highlight. But I know. Speaking of awards shows, the Emmys are next week, yes. which is exciting. I can't wait to see what wins. <laughs> but there's a little bit of a pallor thrown on the show because Colin Jost and Michael Che are hosting. And going back to one of our previous stories of the night, did you see the news recently coming out? About Michael Che. Oh, no, I didn't. So, I mean, he, I think, in general, is kind of like a douchey figure. Both <laughs> of them are. And the fact that they're hosting this is annoying because they've already, they, like, make fun of award shows already. Oh, or yeah. they've said, like, it's stupid. It's a bunch of adults trying to get a trophy. And it's like, no, it's, like, important <laughs> to some people. So, like, yeah. why are you hosting something you think is dumb? But... Michael Che went on a long like Instagram story rant about how he thought it was fine for Louis C.K. to be back on the comedy circuit and how he (laughs) was upset that people were naysaying this. Oh, I forgot. I didn't connect those dots. That is him, isn't it? Yes. He was like, "Uh, doesn't everybody deserve to be able to like make (laughs) Make a living? living, And I was like, yeah, but if you are like a sex offender, the living that you get to make is in like several very, you know, like low paying and (laughs) irksome jobs that people don't want to work. And that's the job you get to work when you sexually (laughs) assault people. And you don't get to be a famous comedian who then does comedy in a room full of women that you could potentially sexually assault again. Not to drag it all back up again, but Louis C.K. didn't even like apologize or... Or tell people he would be performing or be like, hey, I'm doing this. Come if you want. He literally forced himself upon this room and was like, listen to me, clap for me, welcome me back. And it's just like, yeah, maybe Michael Che is right. Maybe it's like, okay, eventually. I don't know. I don't think so. But he did it all wrong, even if that's what even if that's like the appropriate action is to give another give someone another chance. You still have to reserve the right to choose to give them that chance. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. So it's like... Definitely. <laughs> Michael. Uh, well, we'll have plenty of more hot <laughs> takes about Colin Sh- Jost and Michael yeah. Shea on next week's episode. But for this week, do you have any other news that I might not know about? No, I think that was a good, good refresher. So that means it is time for the feature presentation. <laughs> yes, and we're doing it dun, different. Dun, dun. We're, we're talking about a TV show. Which is exciting. I know. The, se- the second time we've talked about yeah. the TV show. We talked briefly about Sharp Objects way back in episode three. It feels like a Such decade a ago that we were talking ago. about yeah. that. <laughs> and now we get to talk about Jack Ryan. I know. The Amazon original series, technically, I believe, called Tom Clancy's <laughs> yeah. Jack Ryan. Yeah, you're right. You're right. To, uh, I don't know, distinguish between all the other Jack Ryans <laughs> that are running around in the world. Yeah, they couldn't think of a better title. So they're just like, slap Tom Clancy on it, which is funny because, I mean, this is one of the only ones that um, isn't based on a specific novel at all. Yeah. So yes, yes. <laughs> they just borrowed uh. Tom Clancy's name. Yeah, Forced they're his just slapping approval. his name on there. Yeah. I mean, it stars John Krasinski, which it's his return to television. Yes. John Krasinski. His return to television. <laughs> Technically television, I guess, although since it's Amazon uh, original, it's not actually airing on a TV. <laughs> return right. to your laptop screen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's eight episodes, which we have both watched. Yes. So I think we're going to talk a little bit about the series in general and kind of Tom Clancy and John Krasinski <laughs> and all of the history there. Yeah. And then we'll jump into spoilers and talk about the actual series as a whole and kind of our takeaways from watching eight hours worth of John Krasinski <laughs> playing Jack Ryan. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because John Krasinski has sort of been angling for this role in a way since leaving the office. He was in a bunch of weird yes. like rom-coms for a while. He played a bunch of nice guys. He mm-hmm. was in that football movie with George Clooney. So just always sort of this affable goofball. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was in Leatherhead. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, he was. I for- also forgot that I ever saw Leatherhead <laughs> until you just brought this up. I, I could not tell you one thing do. about it. Yeah, but he was he sort of had his makeover, I guess, into this leading man when he starred in 13 Hours, which was the Benghazi yes. film. And that was like, I remember very clearly when that like cover of like Men's Health magazine was revealed and you like realized John Krasinski had muscles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, if this was a part of your, of your like prominent memories. But I mean, you know, he had like, <laughs> he had this moment where people were like, look at me now and like, he was bearded and he was really muscular and he was shirtless and everyone was like, whoa, what's happening? But it was interesting because you have that makeover a lot, like Chris Pratt with when he suddenly got a body. Yes. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it felt like John Krasinski's always been playing it more for his male audience than the female audience. Like he's never been like, I'm a sex symbol. He's been more like, I am the all-American man. <laughs> and like you saw that when he took on 13 Hours where he again played like this very macho military family guy. And it seems like he's been really driven to like be this all-American hero. And I don't know if you remember, but he actually tried out for Captain America. So 
Oh, I did not remember that. Oh, but yeah. I sort of think that it makes sense. I mean, he's... I think that the usual trajectory for these like sex symbol acting Mm -hmm. stars is that they're younger, they're maybe not single, but you know, you know, they like that kind of attention. And full disclosure, I hate The Office and have seen maybe like five (laughs) episodes of it. Whoa! Whoa, record scratch, (laughs) freeze frame. This derailed our entire conversation. That is insane to me. I can't believe we're going to do an episode on the Emmys and television and you don't like one of the great American classics of recent years. Um, I mean, I'm sure that somebody is yelling that it was a British classic (laughs) first, but I also didn't watch that either. But... I don't know. You know, there's just some comedy that, like, you get and it really lands with you. And there's other comedy that you don't. And <laughs> I have watched episodes of The Office with people multiple times who are like, no, dude, you're going to love it. Like, you just haven't <laughs> seen the right episode of The Office. Like, watch this one. It's really great. He's at, like, a dinner party. You're going to think it's hilarious. <laughs> and then I watch it and I'm like, I'm sorry. I do not find any of this funny. But there are plenty of shows that I love that other people are like, why do you think that's funny? That's, like, the stupidest thing in the world. Like Survivor? Well, I don't Big watch Brother? Survivor because it's funny. <laughs> but, for example, I love the TV show Scream Queens, which was promptly canceled. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was hilarious. Other people, yeah. not so much. So... That is just, that is wild. (laughs) That is breaking news for me. This changes my entire perception of who you are as a human. I think actually you told me this once and I blocked it from my memory. I I, I really did. I 100% brought this up while we were working in an office together. It definitely had to have come up. But I don't remember it either because the number of conversations that I've had that have been exactly like this probably amount into the like 50s at this point but anyways getting back on track continue i mean john krasinski is happily married (laughs) he has kids i think that he isn't interested in being seen as a sex symbol i think he's interested in being you know playing these kind of hero roles and playing these good guy action roles because i think he enjoys doing that on film but i don't think he has any desire to be like uh, seen as the next zach efron you know like Mm. in baywatch rubbing himself down with oil (laughs) i also just i think john krasinski is pretty aware and i think he knows he could never pull that off because there's something like intrinsically goofy about him or just like kind of he just looks like just above he has average every male quality. Dude. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and, and I think he's it's nice. like he's yeah. like a family guy. Yeah. People people like him because he was Jim on the office and they like that yeah. character. <laughs> and really now he's just playing like more muscular versions of that character. <laughs> I believe. I mean, you haven't seen The Office, so I don't um, know if I've you seen can make several these episodes, sort of... I just didn't think they were funny. <laughs> but no, I mean, what's interesting is like his character on The Office, like if you just read his character, like he's like a dick. He's kind of just the worst dude. He would be the worst coworker. But the reason it's funny, the reason he's likable is because of John, because of Jim. Like Jim is just his character is like he plays it with this likability that's just like hard to put your finger down on why it works and so he does the point of the tv show the office is that all of those people would be horrible to work with (laughs) and that jim and pam are the most normal of the lot 
Well, I mean, I, it's hard to have a discussion with someone who hasn't seen the show. But Jim, okay. as okay. a character, he just, he I mean, he's just a dick. Like, he really is. Like, he's a troll. He's just kind of, like, he's just kind of the worst. Like, that's an unpopular opinion. But it sounds like you're talking about you nice. when we worked in an office together. <laughs> Yeah, I just didn't care. I trolled everyone. Yeah, I probably was. But that's okay because Jim was so likable and so am I. So (laughs) that is a real hot take. (laughs) That is very debatable. I don't know. I mean, and I feel like we've seen in our in our comments on the podcast today that maybe you're not as likable as you think you are. Low blow. (laughs) I'm so sensitive right now. i'm sorry i take it back (laughs) but anyways moving on from the office the point is john krasinski graduated he got buff he got a beard he got some movies under his belt and he came in for this amazon tv show about jack ryan which is i guess one of the like most Random but long-lasting franchises in U.S. history, basically. Fun fact. Yeah, please. (laughs) Maybe we have the same fun fact. Uh, On the (laughs) Wikipedia page, the series to date, the movies, not the TV show, have earned $788 million, which makes it the 57th highest grossing (laughs) film series ever. So, you know, I'm sure Spy Kids is above it, but otherwise... (laughs) But what's interesting is just the diversity it's had. It's been trying, I guess what I'm saying is it's been trying to to have a lasting impact. It's been it's been done again and again. This is the f- yes. fifth iteration. No, it's this. Yes. Yeah, it's fifth. the fifth iteration. Yes. Fifth iteration. So it all started, I guess it was a TV show. I'm not going that far back. We're talking movies here. But it started with Alec Baldwin in The Hunt for Red October, which... When we were talking about watching the Jack Ryan movies, I was like, oh, I haven't seen any of them. I had no idea (laughs) this was a Jack Ryan movie. Like, I just, I grew up on it. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. But I just remember it as like the Russian sub movie. And I I just would never have connected that dot that it's like about Jack Ryan. Yeah, well, it's really interesting because or the movies in this TV show and the Jack Ryan character are based on a series of books by Tom Mm -hmm. Clancy that were bestsellers, I think, in like the 80s, 90s are still bestsellers today. But the The Hunt for Red October was the first book in the series that they made into a movie in 1990. And... I think because the books were such huge sellers and Tom Clancy is dead now and they are still like writing, like ghostwriting them for him and publishing (laughs) them and they still are bestsellers. So I think they think, okay, we have this character who is a bestseller. We need to make this movie franchise happen because so many people read the books. And so they just keep doing various (laughs) versions of the book and movie form with different actors, hoping that it will take. And it really has not. I know because you have, haven't seen any of these right no yeah (laughs) so so you have hunt for red october 1990 it's starring alec baldwin before he was outed as a total pig and had to become the nice guy to come back into (laughs) acting so it's like back when alec's doing his act his like action stick and it's like a very it's a very well respected film it hit some of the top 100 lists and it won uh, an oscar 
Yeah, it won a technical Oscar for like sound editing, I think. Sound editing, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, it did really well. And so in 92, they had a sequel, only this time it starred Harrison Ford. And it's called Patriot Games. It's a Harrison Ford action movie. So he's very grumbly. He's like disgruntled hero who resents having to be a hero. And he's like just running around scowling and yelling at people. And could you find why they had to get Harrison Ford instead of Alec Baldwin again? I was looking for this online and I could not figure out what the reasoning behind it was. I don't know, actually. I know why they switched after Harrison Ford, but I didn't check on Alec Baldwin. Maybe it was... Maybe when did Alec Baldwin's like um, controversy hit? Was that in two, 1990s? I, I mean, that's Probably like not. really that early. Like, I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> yeah. And the and there was a Red October mail. came out in ninety, and Patriot yeah. Games in ninety two. <laughs> so it's not like there was a big time jump because then right. Harrison Ford makes a second one, Clear and yeah. Present Danger, in nineteen ninety four, and I think that right. one doesn't do as well. So then there's a long gap before they get the next mm-hmm. one. Yeah, and Tom Clancy actually hated Harrison Ford. He like disowned the first film because he's like Harrison <laughs> Ford is too old. This is horrible. It goes off book. I don't like it. And so Tom Clancy really stepped back from those two movies. But then yeah, they weren't like great, but Clear and Present Danger was better than Patriot Games. That's another one I saw and didn't realize was like a Jack <laughs> Ryan <laughs> franchise film because they're all very different. And that one was like about a Colombian drug cartel or something. It is really interesting or that you said that, oh, I saw all these movies and I didn't realize they're Jack Ryan movies. Because watching <laughs> yeah. the TV show as well, I was like, what is the distinguishing feature about him? His name is Jack <laughs> yeah. Ryan. He is a, works an for analyst. the CIA. Yeah. He's an analyst who then, for some inexplicable reason, gets dragged out into the field every <laughs> single episode. But that we'll get to that later. Yeah. But yeah. there wasn't any particular trait like for example they're rebooting the girl with the dragon tattoo franchise Mm -hmm. this winter with uh, you know there was the original three books that were by one author he died a a different author wrote a fourth book and now they're making that into a movie but you can Mm -hmm. see why they would want to do that because the main character elizabeth salander is such an iconic character in and of herself she's this hacker she has all these tattoos she's out for revenge you could put her in a lot of different situations that aren't written by the same author and think okay people will still come to this movie because they like this character but jack ryan to me has nothing going on that's (laughs) any different from anybody else well i think that's that's what makes him appealing to a very large mass of, you know, more of the traditional, maybe middle America, blue collar, whatever, white males, which is this huge audience for these books, these movies. And like, it's why my dad watched. It's sort of like, it's this everyday hero. So you have that Superman effect where it's like, he's this this good good guy who's saving the world, even though he's just this simple dude in real life or whatever but you also have a backstory that is basically the whole thing with jack ryan is he just had this weird life that sort of like pushed him to this to this thing he never thought he'd be capable of and like he he was military and then he was finance and then he's an analyst and then he's this agent and so i think that's like what appeals and that's what's explored in um chris pines Jack Ryan, which is also one that goes off book, and it sort of acts as a 
prequel slash reset for the franchise they were hoping (laughs) and it like really goes into like how Jack Ryan became Jack Ryan and like it shows like the nerdy side which I think is more of a feature in the books where it's like it matters that he's this desk jockey basically it matters that he he knows money and he's this analyst and he spends a lot of time at his desk whereas in the movies they're so forced to show the action side that it just becomes another spy flick almost you know yeah well and it's interesting because i was looking at his character in the books and he eventually becomes president in the books. <laughs> yeah so if yeah. this if this just tv series continues yeah he's yeah. like becomes the head of the cia then becomes oh, like no. the vice president or something and then everybody <laughs> in the government dies in a terrorist attack and he becomes the president so yeah. this book series sounds wild. No, yeah, no. That's the thing is Jack Ryan just finds himself in these situations. It's like he doesn't become president because he runs and he does what he needs to to like prove he can run a country. No, it's like it's just like thrown in his lap and he has to adapt. And that's sort of the the fun of his character. I think is just like, oh wow, what would I do if I was suddenly in the president's shoes? You know. So I think that's yeah. where all these like resets come from is they're trying to capture this like oh look at this good boy scout who's saving the world by being so good and he doesn't even want to be saving the world but everyone around him is just so bad and so I think that's like the general theme right and that's like probably what drew John Krasinski to this role because he loves those you know traditional family guys yeah The thing that's more interesting for me is why Amazon decided that this was a series that they needed to do. Because I was looking through Amazon's, you know, list of TV series. And I was thinking, like, what what TV shows has Amazon done? I was, like, really racking my brain. They have The Marvelous (laughs) Mrs. Maisel, which is a comedy that's been out for one season that is up for a a lot of Emmys. But I was looking, and really their drama department is a in shambles it's a whole (laughs) bunch of things i have never heard of have you heard of any of these tv shows hand of god mad dogs patriot lore the last tycoon bosh i was like (laughs) i don't know what any of these are and i watch a lot of tv they have the man in high in the high castle which i think did has done okay and mm-hmm. they have that Zelda Fitzgerald show, which was canceled after a season, but which I did watch. But yeah. otherwise, they've really only had a couple successful comedies in Transparent and Mozart in the Jungle. And I think that they must have been like, okay, we've done this original stuff. Nobody is wanting it. How are we going to get viewers? Let's go with some IP and pick something that we're going to be able to buy the rights to probably for cheap, (laughs) but that people recognize. So we're just going to grab Jack Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because Shadow Recruit, the Chris Pine one, did horribly. It completely bombed. And so I'm sure those rights were pretty up for grabs. And it is something that has a long tradition of being (laughs) reset and recast. So I can see why they were willing to risk it on this, especially with the idea of getting someone like John Krasinski. Yes. And there's big names. So John Krasinski's the big acting lead here. And there's really not anybody close to his level on the cast. But there are some big names on the back end of this production, which I think probably also drew Amazon. So Carlton Cuse, who is one of the big producers of Lost, is Mm -hmm. the creator of this show. He also worked on Bates Motel and recently the movie Rampage, which I don't think did super well with The Rock, but (laughs) he was involved. And then 
not only that, but you have Michael Bay as a producer. Yeah. Which, after I found that out, I was like, oh, yes, this makes 100% sense <laughs> after watching this that Michael Bay was the producer on this. Yeah, yeah. Did you have that vibe as well? I mean, yeah, it sort of is an interesting marriage because you do have these two guys, one who is more, I mean, I mean, aside from Rampage, I guess, he's he's known for doing these more like character driven thought driven actiony stuff like lost and then you have michael bay who's like let's blow stuff up and it's sort of interesting to look at the format of this show and every episode starts with them talking about characters exploring characters and then it ends with oh my gosh let's blow something up so you can kind of see they divided and conquered in that way <laughs> yes um so do you want us to talk about the actual series now then and get into some of the plots and the spoilers Oh, yes. Let's do it. I mean, the general plot is basically a reset and it goes off books. It's just a total reset of the character. Jack Ryan is an analyst and who has history as a soldier, also managed to squeeze in a successful run as a financial guy and yes. now is working in, in at the CIA. I don't know. It doesn't really explore how he got there, why he got there, but that's where he is. And um and he's like a money analyst. Right. Who's, yeah. who's like looking at uh, like bank records and whatnot in the Middle East and stumbles <laughs> upon this discrepancy in the money, which yeah. the first episode I felt was very confusing to me as they're talking about all this money <laughs> stuff. In the, and I was like, what's going on? But basically, yeah. something shady is going on with the money. John Krasinski figures out that there's this terrorist or somebody who he thinks is going to be a terrorist <laughs> named Suleiman, who he who is the villain of the season of this season. And yeah. John Krasinski thinks that a big terrorist attack is coming. Spoiler alert, it is. And so John Krasinski <laughs> has to like basically travel around the world trying to stop this guy from yeah. doing something terrible. Right. And he his boss is played by Jim Greer of The Wire. It's by Wendell pierce who plays jim's greer oh sorry yeah that's right (laughs) i have so many confused notes here but yeah so jim greer is this guy who sort of resents his demotion he's also happens to be muslim so (laughs) so not all muslims are bad you know that's what they're trying to say here Yes, that is an interesting plot element (laughs) i guess before we get started did you like this series or not like what would you give it as a grade on one to 10, 10 being the best, one being the worst? I don't know. It's something I've been thinking of because as I was watching it, I was definitely like picking at it pretty hard. I was sort of making fun of it. As I thought about it, I was like, you know, it wasn't that bad. And then I was like, well, but what is the point? Like, does it serve a purpose? Do we need another Jack Ryan story right now? I don't know. So I think it hovers in like the the B zone, just because I do think they did a lot of things right. I think they, you know, they had some good action sequences. They had some interesting characters. It was shot really well, I thought. And so I would give it a B, B minus probably. Yeah. I felt like it was (laughs) aggressively fine. I did not think it was terrible. I didn't think it was great. There were aspects of it that I really hated and aspects of it that I was like, (laughs) oh, yeah, that's like, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And as I was watching it, I sort of just found myself 
kind of like drifting off at points. And I think if in six months you asked me to name one thing about this show, I could not tell you anything about it. <laughs> it is like it's escaping my mind even now as we're talking about it. I'm like, oh, yes, yeah, so that did happen. Oh, did it? Hmm, what's going on? I think, sorry, yeah, I think it just struggled to kind of pick what it wanted to be. And I think a lot yes. of C- TV shows this today have this problem because they need to they need to attract viewers they need to guarantee a second season they have to like make a splash and like appeal to the masses so they get enough views and so this was like a little bit all over the place and I wonder if in future seasons it'll tighten a little bit better and feel more relaxed and more sure of itself because it was kind of messy all the things they tried to do all the things they shoved in there and all the things they failed to kind of wrap up. The the show that I kept coming back to in a comparison point for this, which I don't know if you've watched this at all, is Homeland. Have you? Do you watch yeah. Homeland? I haven't watched it, but I've seen a lot of comparisons about it. Yeah. Like, I love Homeland, especially the yeah. early seasons, I think are amazing. And I think everybody agrees that the early seasons are great. The last couple seasons have been more hit and miss, but the early seasons were so strong. And it really played with this question. Uh, you know, it's also a CIA operative who is investigating a terrorist that she thinks is you know, up to something that other people in the government don't believe her about. There's this element of are the terrorists good or bad, you know, kind of like humanizing Mm. them, which this show does a lot of. There's a lot of the kind of mystery suspense element if you don't know what attack is coming, but you know something's on the move. But Homeland really does a great job by making the main character who Claire Danes plays so captivating to watch and you are just Mm -hmm. with her 100% of the time and granted she has bipolar so uh, there's that added element that John Krasinski doesn't have but (laughs) I found in watching this that I thought that the John Krasinski parts and the CIA parts were the most boring segments (laughs) of the show I thought the parts where they're focusing on the terrorist and his wife were far more interesting and Mm -hmm. I sort of wish that this show had just scrapped Jack Ryan altogether just <laughs> focused on these uh, on this sort of like family dynamic and drama that's going on among the t- among the terrorist and his brother and his wife and his kids and I thought that that had so much potential there and it was really rich and that it was kind of like downgraded by the fact that we had to keep going back to John Krasinski you know twiddling his thumbs in the office <laughs> yeah I think that's the problem is like Maybe with Tom Clancy's, um, I mean, Jack Ryan not working right now is because he is just like this perfect dude. He's like, they tried to add a little bit with like his PTSD, but again, it was like a conversation and then the conversation closed. And it was like, there's nothing wrong with Jack Ryan. He doesn't make any mistakes. He doesn't have any real suffering. It's all like either he suffered in his past and so right now he's good or it's like it just doesn't phase him. And like, like you mentioned, the character in Homeland is semi-problematic. And I think that's what's drawing a lot of television viewers is having these unlikable or problematic or people who are just struggling to be, you know, good people. And this one instead has this perfect all-American, can-do-no-wrong dude who just like, 
he's not interesting because he's not real. It's like no no one exists like Jack Ryan. You know what I mean? He had nothing nothing wrong with him, nothing to set him apart. He's just this everyday dude who rides his bike to work and flirts with his ex-boss's daughters so and getting into the love interest of the show i felt like that was by far the worst part was all of the scenes jack ryan's ex-boss's daughter happens to be a doctor and they meet at a party for the first bunch of episodes it's kind of this weird romance that really has nothing to do with the plot at (laughs) all she's not somebody who's involved in the case with him so all of the scenes with her are completely superfluous and i don't know if you looked this up but i was like she is aggravating me to high heaven like why is she so annoying to me and then (laughs) i realized did you realize the same thing that i realized what (laughs) no probably not do you know what other movie she was in um no she was in three billboards which we both <laughs> oh, hated right. last year. And she's the frigging like a weird Australian <laughs> wife who has that bizarre sex scene with Woody Harrelson <laughs> while they just leave their kids alone. And then I realized the, that her acting is so bad in this because she's trying to do this American accent the whole time. <laughs> so she's so stilted in her acting because she's like trying to stumble her way through yeah. an American accent. And it's just, it's a nightmare. And then at the end, spoiler alert, there's an Ebola scare and she happens to be an Ebola doctor. And so then she gets dragged into all of these different plot lines. And it's like, right. the love interest either needs to be involved in the plot from the beginning so that like, oh, she's also a cop and they're falling in love as they're solving this crime. <laughs> or she needs to be completely separate. She can't, it can't just be like, oh, randomly the one person in Washington, D.C., who knows about Ebola happens to be the one person in DC that you were dating. It just felt so pushed together by the producers I mean, that it couldn't that's feel real. Like, that's like a lot of movies, though, is that like coincidental, oh my gosh, this ended up mattering in the end. So I don't know. But I definitely agree that they had a weird chemistry. I didn't believe them and I didn't understand like why they fell so fast because in reality you got like 20 minutes of them together throughout the entire yeah. series I think and yet like in episode 6 or something when she finds out he's a CIA operative she's like so betrayed and she's like you lied to me about this and I was like homegirl you work in DC I feel like anyone I meet from DC I'm just like automatically like I bet they're lying about something they do you know well, it's like and <laughs> not only that but literally the episode before she had sat him down at, at a yes. date and said I'm not interested in anything serious I'm just I looking know. for a good time I'm like you can't say I that you're know. only looking for a good time and then be pissed <laughs> off that a secret agent isn't telling you about his secret agent top right. security clearance job yes thank you and then they have this weird conversation where he's like I need to talk to you and she's like he's like I like you let's start with this and she's like you make a compelling argument and then he says is that a yes and she's like yes and I was like what like what did you just agree to what is this saying like did you just like what are you guys talking about like you guys are moving too fast for where you should be like I don't know what they were thinking trying to spin that so quickly except that they were scared they wouldn't get a second season and and she had a little bit of that Deborah Messing voice going on (laughs) as well the like weird creepy robot voice was 100% in action (laughs) I also liked that 
she was talking to her girlfriend or like her coworker about this new guy, John or um Jack Ryan. And she's yes. like, yeah, he's not really a type A though. He's like a type B. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He she is goes like- a B or a C. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what does that even mean? Like, yeah. I was like, in what universe is Jack Ryan not a type A? He's a control freak who inserts himself into every meeting, every conversation, insists he knows what's best. And he's like clearly running around kicking terrorists <laughs> around. I don't know if you're just if this is a joke or we're supposed to be like, LOL, she doesn't know him at all. Or if they were trying to soften his character, because there's no way I don't believe that he isn't like a type A red personality, you know? Oh, yeah. That was such a bizarre <laughs> scene. I did not understand yeah. it at all. I know. Part of it is like they were trying to modernize the story and that meant giving these female characters more to work with. I think they really struggled with giving Kathy the love interest any depth because in the end she was just sort of like, I mean, she literally like I was annoyed with her because they're in the hospital the president is at risk and they're like, we're going to get him out before we evacuate the rest. And she's like, no. And she pulls the fire alarm so that everyone has to evacuate. And I was like, well, that's immature. Like that's problematic. You need to get the president out safely before causing a panic. And she just doesn't make a lot of smart choices. No. Well, and (laughs) in the very first episode, Jack Ryan sort of has like a brief flirtation with somebody at the office. And then later he also has these scenes with this French detective lady. And I felt like both of those female characters he had so much more chemistry with than uh, Kathy, which you can tell that name was picked up in a 1980s (laughs) book as well. Nobody in this day and age is naming the main lead Kathy in anything. (laughs) But yeah. Uh, yeah, it just, it, the whole romance thing felt weird, but I think the weirdest plot line by <laughs> far in this show is this, I, I can't even wrap my head around how this got in here. There, in three of the episodes, there is this bizarre subplot that involves a guy mm. who is one of the like drone strike people for the military who watches on satellites and fly these drones around the Middle East and then just drops bombs on people who, you know, they think are terrorists. This character has no connection with anybody else in the plot line other than the fact that at one point he drops a bomb on a one of the henchmen of the main terrorist who's trying to attack the the terrorist wife. Okay. <laughs> Well, I have thoughts about him too because his story at first was one of my one of the ones that was most interesting to me. What? No, I'm serious because he. I mean, that was more interesting to me. That was real PTSD. That was like looking at the effects of war on these people who don't really have a choice about how involved they are. And I thought it was like you know these drone captains, the pilots, they have to like make these weird choices that aren't really their choices. They have to just follow commands. But then it got weird. And what was so crazy to me was that he just disappeared. Like it just like never came up again. Yeah. Well, because in episode like five, he realized that somebody that he killed at one point wasn't actually a bad guy that he'd gotten misinformation. And so he flies to Syria (laughs) to give this money that he has won, which we'll get into that in a second. But to give this money that he's won to the relative of the person that he killed in the drone strike. And the relative is like, I don't want your money. And he's like, well, I'll buy these eggs from you and give you all of the money like as payment Mm -hmm. for the eggs. And that's the last 
last scene we see of him, he's not in the last three episodes. It's bizarre. But in the first episode he is in, he goes to a casino <laughs> and then has like a three-way like orgy with this married yeah. couple. It's so bizarre. The weirdest. <laughs> why was that in there, Shelby? Why was that in there? I don't know. I think it was just exploring this guy's like troubled mind that he just like... I think he kept thinking like he goes to the casino to blow all this money that he's won. It's like blood money. It's like every time he kills someone, his coworker gives him a dollar. And so he's collected enough that he goes to the casino and he just risks it all on a on a risky bet. And he wins like twenty thousand dollars. And I think it's just like I don't know why they put that in. It was strangely out of place. But I think that character arc speaks to a larger problem I had with the series because it did start like, oh, what an interesting conversation. What an interesting like thing to explore. What a nuanced character. And then they just tried to slap a neat little bow on it at the end and then just never acknowledge it really, never explored it deeper, never faced the consequences of it all. Because, yeah, yeah like you said, he goes to Syria he didn't even bother to like, I don't know, study a couple Arabic words or something so he could talk to these people. He's yeah. so self-serving in how he addresses his pain and makes their father slash son's death about him that I was really frustrated. Like, I think the problem I had with this show was that it had like this really heavy emphasis on like American exceptionalism and how aren't we all so great because you know I made this choice to murder this dude who was gonna rape this woman and I made it from thousands of miles away and then I went and I visited with the kid I shot and that made me feel better because I made a sacrifice by flying to Syria and giving him money that I won by killing all of his neighbors and it's like it just felt like a little messy and like they were trying to disguise this like source material that is very 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 like pro-America and like pro-military and like this show tried to modernize it yeah but I don't think they did a great job of like appealing to more modern sensibilities I just want to talk to the producers, though, and figure out how this plot line got in there because it has no it connection weird. whatsoever I know. to I thought the it main like, storyline. I thought he'd pop up again. Yeah, other than he drops a drone on somebody who's chasing the terrorist wife. And that person right. who you think is dead isn't actually even dead. He shows up a couple episodes later with a couple scars on his face, but otherwise totally fine. So you didn't need him you didn't need a drone <laughs> captain in there for any yeah. part of the plot. He doesn't interact with Jack Ryan. He's not a colleague of Jack Ryan. He's in Las Vegas in a bunker most of the time. It was so yeah. bizarre. I, I want to know, like, what what were the producers? Were they like, oh, we need a more sympathetic character? We Like, what? why did they add yeah, this in? I think they must have been trying to, one appreciate the source material a little more where there are these like vignettes there's like you know novels have like little chapters here and there that like but this isn't a character from the novels i looked that up. i know (laughs) but i think they tried it in a lot of ways in this series to give side characters a little chance i don't know why they created him or added him except to show like the effects of war on these military guys and kind of explore that like that there is like danger or like risk in how we how we interact in this like war because it is like interesting to see him struggle so much with this burden of being this like 
assassin basically who never has to be responsible for what he's done he never like he says in one of his rants he's not there in the flesh having to make these choices he's just two thousand miles away who gets to go home after and eat pancakes you know and so i think it was interesting but it did speak to my frustration with the show is that they gave these like interesting things and then never revisited them never really took responsibility for them like you have jim greer who's oh he's returning to his muslim faith but it was like well why isn't this more of a conversation it was just mentioned a couple of times and also one of the most frustrating for me was um the wife of the terrorist hanin who is like an interesting character she's very well educated she's very well spoken she she's sort of presented as like wow no one would expect this terrorist wife to be so cool. And she's sort of a main character for a lot of the show. She, Her whole arc is rescuing her kids from her husband, who turns out to be kind of the worst. And she goes yeah. on the run with her daughters and ends up in a Syrian refugee camp. And eventually, you know. Anyways, the problem I got was she went from being a very active participant in her own story, making decisions, to being rescued by... John Krasinski's character. She was rescued and immediately morphed into this like good mom who never questions anything and just does what she's told and disappears from the plot. Like I loved the backstory of Suleiman, his brother, all of that. Like you talked Mm -hmm. about was the most interesting part of the the series and they were great actors and I really wanted her to matter in the end, but it was sort of like, wow, we rescued her. Aren't we great? Let's just slap her in a pretty house in a quiet suburb and she'll be live happily ever after. And I'm like, I feel like they could have involved her in interesting ways where either she confronts her husband or gets to have a moment where she solves it, fixes it, comes to like terms with it. But instead, she's just sort of like disappears. And it's just sort oh, yeah. of frustrating. Well, and, and Suleiman and his brother never mm-hmm. really have, like, a big moment, uh, even though they are very close in the early episodes. Suleiman's son, there's this whole kind of plot line about, like, the child warfare um, mm-hmm. and children being used by terrorists that's sort of brought up, but then never really addressed in yeah. the end. Even Suleiman himself, you know, planning these attacks... And you kind of get backstory from him, but not enough to really show why he is doing this. Other than (laughs) the fact that at one point he's in prison with other Muslims. And then he gets out of prison and he's like, and now I'm a terrorist. And you're like, well, like, where did this come from? I need to know where he got his money, how he got back to Syria, how he got all these followers from different religious backgrounds to like revere him. Like there were a lot of throwaway lines about, wow. He's like the new prophet. Wow, this guy is serious. And I'm like, how much time has passed since he was in prison? Like, how old is his oldest kid? Like 12, 14? So it's like, it's been less than 20 years. And somehow he amassed enough money to like, to <laughs> to start this successful almost war on America. And it's just sort of like, I really didn't believe that he could have gotten that far that quickly. And then he dies so unceremoniously at the end. <laughs> He's just like shot and so oh, oh, that, and that's it. Yeah, it's and he also bizarre. had that moment where again like he is a very much a family man. You kind of are you're sympathized with this terrorist because he has this relationship with his brother where flashbacks you realize they they were almost killed in this bombing in Syria in the 80s. They have they moved to Paris and they dealt with all this racism. So it's a really interesting to feel like this, wow, there's humanity here, even though 
like he's not just painted as a stereotypical terrorist, which is great. It really adds something to the story. Yeah. But then they just sort of abandon that and make him the the like cliche bad guy who would abandon his kid for his own like his own nefarious plans. Like I did not believe that the Suleiman of the first half of the season would see his son getting handcuffed and yes. would just walk away. Yes. Which 100%. spoiler alert is what happens. <laughs> it felt, it felt like the first, whoever wrote like the first four episodes of the series then left and somebody else came in and wrote the last four episodes. And that's when all of these weird character discrepancies started to figure out. I'm like, maybe the person who wrote the first four episodes really knew what was going to happen with that drone strike person. And then the person, <laughs> in the later right. episodes like ah, I guess they just like, I don't care yeah I know but it's too bad because I really do think like the story did a lot of things right whereas like you have shows that show the all-american exceptionalism like 24 which is hard to watch now because it's like wow these are racist stereotypes like they don't even give these <laughs> these terrorists a chance to breathe and this one was interesting enough that it sort of explored the psychology and the humanity behind it but it didn't really like I think it was all very surface level very shallow and they were doing it to give themselves a pat on the back for when they did revolt lean on those more stereotypical choices I mean I would say like wrapping up on this show that it was fine and that if like, my dad, I think, would watch this and really enjoy it. And, you know, it's like a great action movie. Some of the action scenes are cool. But I think if you really are looking for a good TV show that tackles these subjects, I feel like Homeland is so much better. And there's a lot of really yeah. good movies that I think do a better job <laughs> at expressing this as well. So, yeah. And we didn't even take. like we didn't even give time to John Krasinski as an actor in this series, which... I really, you know, I love The Office and I try to like John Krasinski. He just does a lot of staring, just a lot of serious staring. I don't think (laughs) it's his fault. I think it's whoever wrote the (laughs) script. He has nothing to do. That's what I'm saying. Like the his plot line is so boring and he really has nothing going on, despite the fact that even though he's an analyst, he's brought out (laughs) on the field and like, you know, told to lead an investigation a half dozen times in this series, which is mind boggling, (laughs) speaking that he's like an accountant in his regular life. But yeah, no, it became very formulaic where it was like Jack would put up a fight about being dragged somewhere and he'd always say, I'm just an analyst. And then he'd be swept into this big to do where he was either chasing down Syrian refugees or trying to find a terrorist cell in Paris. And then there'd be like a moment where he gets to talk to someone about big thoughts like, oh, is it okay to work with a human trafficker? Like, should I ask this girl out? And then suddenly there'd be one big action sequence. Someone would definitely die. And the episode would end with John Krasinski staring at the camera and just looking serious <laughs> you also forgot Every that time. in each episode there was a gratuitous boob shot at some point they were like this isn't network <laughs> tv was, we're gonna give there. you some boobs yeah <laughs> and once i think yeah. there was a blurry john krasinski butt in a shower but i mean they were definitely like we can do boobs and we're doing them yeah it was it was interesting and i think you know like we said it was just okay It wasn't great. It wasn't awful. I wish it had been better. And I wish it hadn't driven home this idea that like, I don't know, there there was a lot of generalizations, even with their like, attempt at nuance. 
you could say that I didn't love it or hate it. <laughs> yeah? Is there something you did love or you did hate? Um, yes. So while I may <laughs> hate The Office, my favorite comedy of all time is Back from Hiatus. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's back oh, for its yeah. 13th season. And it was a big shock because at the end of last season, one of the five leads kind of said that, oh, he might not be coming back for this upcoming season. And so in the in the premiere of season 13, uh, the character Dennis isn't in the episode. And to replace him, Mindy Kaling is sort of like the ringleader of this gang. Of what? Who own the bar. <laughs> yeah, she's in the she's in the original episode uh, or she's in the premiere of this season and she is hysterical this show is, is so it's funny. amazing to me because it's 13 seasons in and you would think that it would be stale at this point but they just like every season they are doing new and different hysterical things and mindy kaling is great she's so funny in this episode and they use her perfectly within like the kind of parameters of these characters that have been set up over the previous 12 seasons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're an always sunny fan, like this was just another glorious episode. If you're not an always (laughs) sunny fan, you should go watch all of the seasons because they're not very long and they're amazing. (laughs) And that's That's my funny. I'll have to check it out. Have you Um, ever watched always sunny? I've seen like a few episodes of each season. Probably. I've never sat down and watched it all. I feel like it's of an acquired taste because they're all horrible people. There's like no (laughs) redeeming characters. There's no like fun romance plot line or like (laughs) sentimental moments. It's just five horrible people doing horrible things in every episode. And And it's yeah, it's pretty episodic, right? There's not like overarching storylines, really. Yeah, I mean, there's like some there's like characters that reoccur and sort of like jokes or you know like things that the various characters do that repeat but yeah you can basically watch any episode and it's not like oh this is the one where you know shannon is getting ready (laughs) to tell greg that uh that she's leaving him it's like there's none of that (laughs) yeah it's not friends well that's good i'll have to i'll have to give it a try but uh what about you anything you love or hate okay i'm sort of embarrassed about this one but um oh gosh so i went and saw peppermint this weekend I and, wanted to see that. <laughs> listen, I say don't listen to the haters because is it a little problematic to see so much gun violence on our screens? Yes. Is it a little bit unfortunate that maybe there are some stereotypes at play and it's a white woman murdering a lot of people of color? But I was surprised by how much fun it was. And I went into it not knowing how badly it was reviewed. I came out and saw that it's like at 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, but like 80% on the on like the audience yes! score. So people are loving it. I know. And this is why. Okay, Jennifer Gardner is back at it. You know, she's given up the mommy, Christian mommy roles to play an action star again. And she is so good at it. When she pulls out a gun, you like believe she knows how to use that gun. She looked so good in this movie. She was absolutely killing it. And the one thing I loved most was that it wasted no time on like backstory or dramatic monologuing. It's like there was a movie recently with Bruce Willis where he sort of the same idea is he loses his family to oh, some yeah. sort of violent I saw act. That. 
Yeah. And I, and he just like talks a lot. He gives a lot of explanation about why he's doing stuff, what he wants from it and what is working, what's not. Jennifer Gardner, this movie takes place in, well, they set it up. They give you like the rundown of what happened, but then the main action takes place in one single night. And Jennifer Gardner goes on this vigilante killing spree to take down everyone involved. Love it. And there was no like, oh, she can't be doing this. She's a girl. There was no like, what are you talking about? I can't be beat by a girl. It was just like, oh my gosh, this psychopath is going to murder us all. And it was amazing. It was so fun. And it's like, shot like a (laughs) Veronica Mars episode. There's this weird 2000s action effect where they cut through the scenes really quickly. You just have to see it. I would recommend it. Um, I think it got a bad rap and there's definitely room to discuss like what it did wrong. But ultimately, I thought it was like a good popcorn flick. And Jennifer Gardner is just so good. I love Alias. I don't. Did you watch yes. Alias back in the day? That is yeah. such a great show. Like top five shows of all time for me. So when I saw this trailer, I was like, oh, I need to see this movie. It 100% yes. is on my list. And I think that this is the renaissance of Jennifer Garner coming. Because <laughs> between this and Love, Simon, she has had two movies that are not horrendously bad in a row. <laughs> and I think that, you know, like she is, she is somebody who has done a lot of good stuff. Like I could see yeah. her like nailing a good role coming up soon. Maybe we'll be talking about her next year for Oscar buzz. Who knows? Oh, please. Yes. And I mean, to be fair, this isn't like a very, like this isn't a scripted movie necessarily. You don't go there for the storyline. You go there to see Jennifer Gardner kick butt and she does a great job. So Uh, I would have to recommend it. (laughs) The talent. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm excited to talk about the Emmys next week. We've been doing our homework, gotten some TV shows down. We'll have a, We'll have a lot to dissect, I think. Yes, yes. I've been watching Emmy-nominated shows like a madman. So hopefully we'll be able to talk about all of these people who are getting nominated in all of the shows. And we'll, of course, be able to rag on Michael Che's horrible (laughs) emceeing ability. It's going to be good. Yes, I'm I'm excited. excited. And in the meantime, you have a week to follow us on social media, to leave us a wonderful comment on uh, Apple Podcasts. You can say nice things about Shelby and make her uh, (laughs) self-esteem go up a little bit. Yes, please. We're begging you. Please, somebody (laughs) do this for us. But until next week, uh, have a great time at the movies. (laughs) 